0: The reading tonight is from Luke 24, verses 1 to 12, and it follows on from the death of Jesus when the women had gone home to prepare the spices and perfumes, but then they rested on the Sabbath. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee." the Son of Man, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed like to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Oh, sorry, I went too far, you see. <laughs> You'll have to hear the rest another time. (laughs) So ends God's reading to us.
1: I'm very glad of this glass of water that Nigel brought me after trying to sing all those amazing songs. I don't know that I've got an awful lot of voice left, so thank you, that was very welcome indeed. Uh, Good evening to you all. Um, Can you all hear me okay? You've got no chance of seeing me, so don't bother to try that, but if you can hear me, uh, we're winning. Uh, I have to admit, um, a small smile came to me uh, when Graham told me that the series that you were following during this period of time, when uh, Tim's on sabbatical in the evening, I think is entitled Encounters with Jesus. Have I got that right? Yeah? Because, of course, the passage that we've just read, and the one that was allocated to me to speak on today, doesn't feature anyone meeting with Jesus, And uh, I have to confess that when I, turned, when I turned up the verses and stopped short, uh, our reader, uh, you know, wanted to carry on. I was thinking, oh, <laughs> because we end uh, with the empty tomb and not with the encounters with Jesus that come after that. Uh, in particular, one of my favorite passages as the disciples gradually come to realise that the one that they are walking with along that Emmaus road is actually the risen Christ. Well I think they do say that the darkest time is just before the dawn. And that is when the two Marys and Joanna and the others would have set out. And I like Luke's description of it, which literally translated is in the deep dawn. Now, these women have been with Jesus throughout the terrible events of the last days. In verse 49 Luke of the chapter before, Luke tells us that all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching as Jesus was crucified, witnessing his crucifixion. And then in verse 55 of that chapter, we're told that they saw his tomb and how his body was laid, and then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. These women have hardly left Jesus, only doing so because it was the Sabbath on the Saturday, and they couldn't work or be at the tomb on that day. And so they come back as soon as possible, with the spices and the perfumes that they need to complete the rituals for a proper burial. Wrapped up in a cloth shroud and enclosed with the spices, the body would normally be left in a stone tomb, often alongside others, for a year, for the flesh to be cleansed away from the bones. And then at the end of this purification period, the bones would be collected into a special box and then placed into the family crypt. Now, when the women get to the tomb, of course, they don't find what they expect to find. They're confronted with an unexpected scene. The stone rolled away and an empty space where they expect to find the body of Jesus laid in the place where they had previously seen Jesus' body. And Luke tells us that the women are left wondering or perplexed by this scene, but not left that way for very long, because quite quickly two men, who we're told are in shining clothes, later referred to as angels, appear on the scene. And as the women who are lying prostrate on the floor out of fear, are there. The women are then asked a question by these men. And it sounds a little bit like a rebuke. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, of course, it sounds a bit obvious to state this, but the women haven't come looking for the living among the dead Because they've not come expecting Jesus to be alive. He was very dead the last time they saw him in the tomb. And so actually they've come looking for the dead among the dead. So it seems a little bit of an unfair rebuke, if you like. He's not here. He has risen, is what our NIV translation says in verse 5. A more literal but perhaps more accurate translation would be, he's not here, but he has been raised. The women's expectation is to find Jesus' body where it was left, where they had last seen it, and instead they find an empty tomb. Seeing their shock and their incredulity, the angels go on to remind them Of what they have been told by Jesus. It's worth noting here. That these women are not only messengers. But they have been among the disciples of Jesus. They are counted among the disciples of Jesus. They've been with him and heard him. Explaining all of these things that are to happen. To his close followers. Remember. The angelic messengers say, remember what Jesus told you in Galilee, that it was necessary for all the events of Friday to happen. But this is now Sunday, the third day. And on that day, he told you, and actually if we look back through Luke's gospel, we can see he tells them quite a few times. He told you that he would be raised again to life. Now, to give the women their due, at this point, they don't waste much time looking for uh, the living among the dead. In actual fact, we're told that they rush off in order to tell the other disciples what they've found out. Now, the word in verse 11 of this chapter, translated in our NA, NIV as nonsense, is leros. And it's a word which apparently comes from the field of medicine, where it referred to a delirium that sometimes accompanies a high fever. And when the women go to communicate their astounding news to the men, what they say is cynically dismissed because they're thought to be out of their minds, hysterical, perhaps as a result of the shock and grief that they have experienced. Now, something could be made here of the men not listening to the women, and sometimes it has been. And certainly then uh, uh, and in that place, and even sometimes here and now, women's voices are not always heard, or perhaps what they say is not always given the credence and the weight in the same weighting as that of men. But actually, this isn't really about that. This is about the fact that despite all that Jesus had said, the disciples were not expecting this to happen. They had no expectation that Jesus would actually be raised from the dead. In first century Jewish thinking, the resurrection was expected at the end of the whole of history, when all the righteous dead would be raised simultaneously. And there was no concept or expectation of one person being raised in the middle of the present age. For sure, the disciples, if you remember, had seen Lazarus raised from the dead, hadn't they? But of course, Jesus had been the one who had performed that miracle. And now that Jesus was dead, who was going to raise him? The one that they had hoped was the Messiah, the one that they had hoped was going to overthrow the Romans was dead. And that could only mean failure to them. They really weren't expecting anything further. They had no expectation of resurrection. And besides, death happens. It's natural. Stones rolled away, empty tombs, and talk of rising from the dead. That is all very, very unnatural. Later on, Jesus chides some of the disciples as foolish and slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. And we can all feel very clever with hindsight. We can think, yeah, we'd have known, we'd have got it. But actually, I think given the situation, I may have found myself counted among those who found it very difficult to accept what it was the women were saying. Now, of course, as we've already mentioned, the day doesn't end there. And some of the disciples have that encounter that I would love to have had with the risen Jesus on the Emmaus Road. And we're told that others saw him too. But in a way, our situation, sat here this evening, has some similarities with the experiences of those first disciples on that first Easter morning. Because we are those who believe without seeing, And what of us? What is our expectation? Do we need reminding of what Jesus has told us? And are we sometimes tempted to look for life in dead places? We're here today not because of an empty tomb or even because Jesus was raised from the dead, like Lazarus. But we're here because we believe that in that resurrection, Jesus conquered sin and death. And we're here because Jesus is alive and active in the church and in the world through the working of his Holy Spirit. That same spirit, as Paul reminds us, whose power was at work in raising Jesus from the dead. But perhaps we too need reminding of what Jesus said or what he meant when he said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Because honestly... You know, sat that in the middle of a row when you need to get out, aren't you? <laughs> I think, uh, if we're honest, that some of us are still inclined at times in some areas of our life to go looking for the living among the dead. God promised all who believe in him a new heart and a new spirit and Paul says that just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so we too can walk in newness of life. And what's more, we're told that we have the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit involved in raising Jesus from death to life. That same Holy Spirit is at work in us. And God knows that we need new life and new hope a new healing, but it's really hard for us to find the newness he's offering us if we're always looking back, seeking the living among the dead. We have been promised new life in him, but how can we expect to fully enter into that if we're clinging on to old habits, old thoughts, old prejudices old hatreds old hurts or old fears you see when we do this we're really only half alive and what about those other things that we do like sometimes when we carry around the guilt of our sin as though Jesus hasn't really forgiven us of them. Or when sometimes we really, really worry about the things that God has promised that he will take care of. I do that one a lot. And sometimes we doubt God's promises as though he isn't serious about them or he isn't able to do what it is he said he'll do. Our expectations are very low, like those of the disciples. And do you know when we do these things, we are living essentially as if Jesus were dead and not alive in our lives. There's a story that's told, I don't know whether it's true or not, but apparently on one occasion when Martin Luther was feeling really low in his spirits for a little while, when life had really got him down, his wife Catherine, who is a very wise woman, dressed herself all in black and she went about doing her chores for the day dressed like this. And when her husband asked her if she was going to a funeral, she said no. But seeing as you're acting as though God is dead, I thought I'd join you in the morning. She made her point. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. Jesus got up from the grave. And yet we can find ourselves returning there when we live imprisoned by our guilt, defined perhaps by our past failures. Or when we continue in sinful and harmful habits. Or when we allow ourselves to become petrified, overwhelmed, engulfed by anxiety. All of these rob you and me of a life alive in him. But how do we move on from those dead places in order to live in all the fullness of that resurrection life? Well, perhaps we can start, as those women did, with some reminders of what Jesus has said and done and what that means for us in our lives and perhaps those reminders will lead us to expect more more freedom more wholeness more healing and life in all its fullness as promised and perhaps these will help us to stop being tempted, to go back and rummage around in all the dead things, looking for life. And instead, we'll go on seeking him, the one who was dead, but who is now alive and present in and among us here today, the living one who came to bring us life in all its fullness indeed. Perhaps just as we take a moment to reflect on that, I'm going to read just a few of the uh, words of Paul. Remember Paul told us that it's that same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead who lives in us. And Paul describes what it means to have that spirit alive in us. Hear these words perhaps as a reminder. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. The Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And then, from his letter to the Ephesians, God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ And raised us up with him and seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And a reflection. Jesus, you told us that this would happen. That we would know that death was not an ending but rather a beginning. You promised that no tomb would hold you and that we would see you again alive and glorified. But we didn't believe it. We still don't. We still face the little deaths which fill our lives with fear and dread and despair. We still look away from your resurrected glory, believing ourselves to be beyond the reach of your grace and life. But now, in this place, we gather to be reminded resurrection has happened, it happens still. Grace and life can find us anywhere and bring us home. And so we worship with joy and relief, with awe and trembling. Stand among us again, Lord Jesus, and let your life flood our weary and doubting souls